are live. Hello, welcome. Whether you're on the podcast listening or perhaps you are watching us right now, we're live on LinkedIn, we're live on YouTube, we're live on Facebook. Welcome to another episode of the Johnny Ross Fractional CMO Podcast, where we dive deep into the cutting edge of the world of marketing. Today, we're opening the doors to the realm of experiential marketing with a true industry pioneer, Brooke Jay. How are you, Brooke? I'm great. Thank you. Hi, Johnny. You're joining us from Chicago. I'm really uh, pleased that you're here. Uh, as, as the CEO of All Terrain Collective, Brooke's been at the helm of campaigns for the giants like Nike, Ferrari, PepsiCo, crafting memorable encounters that don't just dazzle, they drive sales. From unlocking the secrets of elusive ROI to the magic behind creating brand experiences that stick, we're about to uncover how the big players make it happen. So if you've ever wondered how experiences can translate into tangible results or how to forge connections that convert fleeting interactions into lasting brand loyalty, stay tuned. This one's a game changer. Let's dive in. <laughs> was that all right for you, Brooke? Oh my gosh. I, I loved it. Every minute. I was on the I was on the verge of my seat and you and we were talking about me. So let's let's do this. I want to dive into the the sort of secrets to measuring uh, ROI in experiential marketing. And uh, I was wondering, it's often seen as a, a hard to measure space. So how has All Terrain tackled this perception? And what's your secret to capturing that elusive ROI? Yeah, you know, a lot of our clients or just in general clients that look to, uh, experiential come with us, come to us with some very narrow KPIs like social media impressions, and earn media, which are wonderful, but uh, they're hard to track back to sales directly. Yeah. So the solution for us is that both the sales and marketing teams need to be working lockstep with agency teams like us. And this happens way less than it should, but when it does, you're able to track from the time you meet a consumer at an experience straight to the point of sale. And all trains known for instituting these kind of processes in with our clients. And it's about how do you ensure that these experiences not only create lasting memories, but also drive sales and customer loyalty, though? Well, we make sure that there is levers uh, in each uh, element of the campaign. So we start with a long drumbeat of promotion. Uh, that's something that gets people excited and ready and understanding that there's something coming. And then we, you know, obviously create an incredible experience, whether that's one-off event, experience for content, a tour goes around the country or the world. And all the while we are making sure that there's a way to track sales. So whether it's an incentive, uh, we used to do, the, do this with GM all the time. We manage all their major leagues sponsorship for their major league baseball, hockey, et cetera. And from the time a consumer would meet us at a stadium, walk around the car, have a great experience, get a bit of swag that was co-branded, we would incentivize them to go to a test drive and we went through a gift card or something like this. And we would be able to track from the dealer side when that consumer would show up, uh, activate the card, test drive the car, and then ultimately they would deliver us back uh, sales results. So it's a great way for us to bake in, you know, from the time we collected data, which was usually in the exchange of a gift, to the time they went to dealer, to the time they drove and the time they purchased. It was a, a really nice process that we instituted that was able to help us track and, um, and build loyalty all the way because we were constantly doing a drumbeat of communication in the, in the meantime. 
So it's about making sure that you've got something that trackable very early on, right from the beginning. Exactly. You know, I've worked with a number of different uh, agencies and, and it's often overlooked until sort of the middle of the campaign or the end of the campaign that, oh, how can we track this? And it's like, you know, why didn't you think of it at the beginning? Right. <laughs> so often we don't wind up having any um, access to the people that are, you know, placing product in stores or that the dealership groups, that's a little bit different. The automotive industry is, is really savvy to this and and the alcohol business but some of the cpg world fashion etc it's it's a little bit more difficult for us to get access to real-time data how did how did you get into this world brooke oh my gosh it's such a crazy story but um a long story short i went to school in europe to study international trade i got out i worked at smith barney i realized quickly that uh, the commodities world was not for me. Uh, and my aunt was opening up a hotel in Miami at the time. This is the 90s. Uh, Miami was on fire. And I wound up getting a job in a um, basically a film production, event production, and an experiential marketing firm. And I impressed my boss very early on by helping him close a multi, multi-million deal, dollar deal. Uh, and he pulled me out from behind uh, the desk that I was at, which was the reception desk. And uh, I learned a lot from him. His name is Bruce Oros, and he runs a company still out of Miami called ACT Productions. And uh, very soon after working with him for about a year or so, I wanted to come back to Chicago where my family is. And I got a job in events. And through that company, I wound up being a producer at the Olympics in 96. Uh, at, at the Atlanta, which is where the, the, the games were, we built a whole town and community inside Georgia Tech to entertain the athletes of the games. And while we were there, my production trailer was right across from a champion t-shirt activation. There was no brand ambassadors. There wasn't the word experiential marketing didn't exist, but it was a fascinating social experiment to watch as um, it was a 20 by 20 booth with cubby holes with the t-shirts of the participating countries flags on them uh, and obviously a champion branded logo. And there was a sign above the booth that said, if you want to give one, you have to take, if you want to take one, you have to give one, excuse me. And there were Sharpies hanging down. And I watched uh, along with my team, this social experiment of the athletes of the games, the talent like LL Cool J, the mayor of Atlanta, the people that swept the floors at Georgia Tech come up to the booth and have this really organic experience where they pulled their country's t-shirt, signed it and exchanged it. And it became clear to me that these shirts were gonna be part of their social currency, that they were gonna take these shirts home and they were gonna be part of their storytelling of their time at the games. And ultimately the next time that they went to a store, they were gonna have this indelible relationship with Champion. And I thought, uh, along with my uh, a person that became my partner originally, um, that we wanted to figure out how to do this every day. How do we show up in stride with a consumer, provide value, you know, create this relationship, and then like become connected to the consumer in a long-tailed format? And that's basically where the concept of All Train started. Was in '96 at the Olympic Games. Wow. Wow. Um, listen, if you're, if you're watching or listening, and I know there's quite a few uh, watching or listening because I've got quite a few comments here, uh, please do feel free to comment, ask any questions. But the, you know, we're really lucky. Um, the uh, Brooke 
Brooke is working with some huge Fortune One, Fortune Two companies, and it, you know, there's a lot we can learn here, a lot we can uh, understand, be inspired, etc. I was talking about the secrets to measuring ROI, and I wanted to understand if there were any uh, common misconceptions about calculating ROI in, in experiential marketing that that brands should be wary of. Yes, for sure. I think the biggest uh, feedback we get uh, on experiential, and this is something that I, you know tout all the time. We've been, you know, the first female founded experiential marketing agency in the United States. We've been pushing the, the industry forward. And the biggest misconception is that experiences have to be expensive. Uh, but with the right strategy and the right key stakeholders on board, you can create really successful campaigns that reach very strong KPIs, uh, you know, without a massive spend. They all look expensive on your website, I must say. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. Maybe, maybe you're just good at making them look expensive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, a good example uh, of of something that really, you know, I think you were gonna, we were gonna talk about a, a campaign where the ROI really surprised us, uh, and and what made it stand out was, um, and if you don't mind me telling you about one, I, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, a while back, we were working uh, on bringing a brand to life called Camarena Tequila. It's a, a really good, you know, lo lower price tequila, not, you know, below the barrel, the lower price, but it's owned by Gallo, who has uh, a massive distribution. They are like the masters of distribution, Gallo. But uh, right around uh, Cinco de Mayo, which is the most important tequila day of the year in, in America, that year, they got a little nervous because Cinco de Mayo fell on a Monday. And so they challenged us to create a, an experiential campaign that would help push sales and drive awareness through this important holiday amongst 25 to 34 year old tequila drinkers nationally. So we came up with a campaign called uh, Save Cinco and we launched it was a six week campaign. It encouraged consumers to save Cinco de Mayo by celebrating the weekend, the weekend before May 5th. And so we came up with an integrated strategy via social media, influential bloggers. We worked with the key distributors in every market. Um, and we built this really fun campaign that, you know, a couple of weeks out, we asked people to take a pledge to save Cinco de Mayo. And I think we got 22,000 people to do it on the first day. And after that, we had the steady drumbeat of activity where you've received, a, you know, a playlist for your in-home Cinco de Mayo party recipes and ultimately, you know, a coupon. Um, and then we approached, we took it into an uh, uh, IRL space um, and we did these office rallies, these takeovers where we went to HR departments of companies like Twitter and Groupon who have really high social media networks uh, and asked them if we could stage a walkout on the Friday before Cinco de Mayo, basically offering them, uh, their employees, a te tequila and taco party. But it looked like a protest. You know, everybody walked out with signs, save Cinco. So great for viral capture. Um, and this campaign, uh, which we we had about 2,000 people that attended the Save Cinco office rallies. But more importantly, we had over 70 million uh, unique impressions. Uh, we Camarena became the number two talked about 100% uh, agave tequila in the country for the month of May. But the most important was that it helped sales team hit over 125% of their April sales goals. I think we sold about 55,000 cases in a month. Uh, not we, they did. Uh, but the whole campaign, I want to tell you, is like under 150K. Wow. So 
you know, I, I think it really, I think it was almost like a hundred thousand dollars. I can't remember. It's a couple of years ago, but you know, the point is, is that you can really make impact if you just have a really smart strategy. And, and, and the, but this is also about uh, a brilliant way to be able to tell your brand story as well through, through experience as well, as well, I assume. Right. hundred yeah. percent. So um, one of the things that I wanted to get onto was the power of immersive brand experiences. Uh, your campaigns for brands like Nike and Ferrari have been groundbreaking, but what in your perspective makes an experience truly immersive for a consumer? Yeah, well, experiential marketing is all about creating two-way interactions that allows customers to really immerse themselves in the brand and connect with consumers on a deeper level. That's really the purpose you know, and experiential marketing uh, turns customers into promoters, which drives word of mouth marketing and content generation. Uh, a company may have tons of great customers, but when they're equipped with a compelling story to share, they'll happily promote your brand to all their friends and colleagues and social media followers. Um, you know, so immersing them in the story, immersing them in the pillars, immersing them in a um, in it, uh, a challenge or a, a moment, a brand moment. And um, we had a really great experience with Ferrari uh, to really talk about the true immersive power uh, of experiential and digital. Uh, when we launched the Ferrari Roma, uh, we were in the process of developing these really big pop-up museums for Ferrari to launch the Roma. The Roma is this beautiful car, Ferrari thinks of it as your everyday Ferrari. <laughs> um, it's like, it's the most exquisite car. And uh, the tagline for the car was La Nueve Dolce Vida. And we were uh, getting ready to do these really cool lifestyle, which means the, new, the, the sweet life, the new sweet life. And we were about to build, you know, in real life pop-up experiences that re replicated the Ferrari sweet life. And then COVID happened. <laughs> And we were about to lose that. I mean, we had so much work in progress. Wow. And, you know, for us, it was a big uh, revenue driver for us, you know. And so if this was going to go away, we were going to lose this, this this revenue, not to mention the, the glory of launching this car. And so um, we, in a very quick moment of, of, of a conversation with a client where we were about to shut down the live experiences, we talked about the fact that we needed to pivot and launch the car virtually. And, uh, you know, Ferrari was like, we don't do that. We, we, you know, this is all about the touch and feel of the Ferrari. And we said, and not only that, we're going to need to do it with a celebrity because their whole goal, one of their goals that we have working with them is to drive younger audiences. So um, we, and generate customers with qualified leads that translate into sales as well. So um, we wound up creating the first ever live virtual launch. It was a virtual launch. I shouldn't say live. We did it live to tape. Um, and we had to shift really quickly. And it was wound up being a year-long campaign that really immersed, going back to the immersive conversation. So there was this long tail where we had worked with Adam Levine and his wife, Biadi Prinsloo, because at the time they replicated the sweet life. They lived at home uh, with their two young daughters and the grandparents. And they had, you know, a very, you know, sweet life storytelling it the way they're long looks on paper and, and, and in social media. Um, also, Adam is a spoke uh, Ferrari fluidly. He's a collector. And we were able to take the passion for Ferrari and create these virtual gated events 
that were a, uh, a private experience between this, uh, the president of Ferrari North America, Matteo Tori, and Adam and Biotti at their home. So Matteo was in New York uh, and the Biotti and, uh, and Adam were in their home in the Palisades in LA. And we revealed the car that way. They had a great conversation. They did a walk around and uh, we were able to, uh, you know, track how many people were attending the event. You had to be invited and, and get signed up. But there was a lot of, of new people wanting to join the, the virtual launch and they were really qualified leads. They just hadn't really put Ferrari in their consideration. But what also immersed everybody in the brand was a cause. Ferrari agreed to auction off one of the new cars to save the children. We put it down on an auction on Sotheby's and the car sold very quickly, as you can imagine, we, we sold, we made over a million dollars for Save the Children. And then after that, we filmed a short film with Adam and Biotti driving the car. It was a bit of a, a fictional experience, uh, leaving a long tail at the end. That film went viral and won tons of awards. And the idea is that going back to your question about what makes an experience truly immersive is like people felt part of it. You know, they felt we all were together in COVID. We were all at home watching this incredible moment of the car being unveiled virtually for the first time in Ferrari history. We were uh, supporting Save the Children and it just kept a very active audience immersed in the brand storytelling from beginning to end. I, having been forced to have to do uh, a virtual, has that changed how you do things now or has or has everything gone back to uh how you used to do things i think people are very hungry for in-person experiences i also it, certain demographics got real used to being able to do a lot of things virtually so i think it really as you start to develop campaigns you really have to think about who you're talking to yeah. there's a lot of busy ceos if you're talking to people busy moms things like that digital, virtual, you know, they they are easier to jump into. When you're talking about millennials or Gen Z or, you know, even Gen X still, uh, you know, we still thrive on being together and, yeah. and shared experiences. So I think you're, I think virtual is never going away. I think it's only going to get better and better uh, because we were forced to understand it. And now I think people uh, really appreciate when you have an option. Yeah, and but you do, you want that experience, you want that touchy-feel, etc. I was wondering if you could walk us through a, a campaign that sort of epitomizes uh, All Terrain's approach to creating powerful, uh, immersive brand experiences. Yes, we just got done with one that we're just in love with. Um, so this summer, uh, we work with a, a brilliant uh, PR agency, their global agency called uh, Weber Shanwick, and we've worked on some really incredible campaigns with them. Um, but they came to us and they, they were tasked to create, um, to insert the brand Cheez-It for their Kellogg's client, Cheez-It the Cracker, uh, into the conversation for road, road trips. Road trip in, in the summer, I'm, I know it's the same in Europe, you know, road trip season is in the summer. And so we were tasked to create a one-of-a-kind road trip destination for Cheez-Its, um, which was so fun. We transformed this beloved local gas station. It's turned record store, turned souvenir store uh, into the ultimate Cheez-It haven. It, it, it was called the Cheez-It Cheese Stop. 
<laughs> and at Auburn Road Trippers, uh, we put it in Joshua Tree because we knew it was going to have organic uh, awareness. You know, the goal from Weber's standpoint was uh, they this was an earned media play. This is a strictly PR play. But we were all completely overwhelmed by the reaction. We had no idea how much America loves Cheez-Its until we put up this uh, cheese stop uh, and gave them uh, Joshua Tree's locals and, and travelers uh, the first and only Cheez-It gas pump, which, you know, pumps Cheez-Its in your car. <laughs> the Cheez-It gas pump. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the entire store inside and out was immersed in the world of Cheez-It. It captivated thousands of snack lovers daily throughout the week. Um, it was really something that shocked us, though, in the fact that, you know, we did all the right things. Weber's brilliant. And we had an influencer event. We, you know, we opened the store for seven days. And the thing that blew our mind, Johnny, was that we were going to be excited. You know, you could buy Cheez-It. We lost Brooke. Is Brooke still there? Uh, oh, garnered massive online exposure. There was over a thousand media placements. We had about two thousand people a day standing in line to get into this experience. It blew our mind, uh, and they would wait in long lines to get in. And then we sold out of merchandise every day. Wow. I'm not sure if we're having a, a little um, internet issue here, but um, uh, I certainly heard that there was a lot of cheese it uh, more than you expected. Um, I'm just going to double check that we've still got Brooke. I think, yeah, I'm not seeing a problem at this end, but listen, thanks for still being here. Thanks for listening. Uh, and um, we, we're just hearing Brooke. Ah, Brooke, you're back. You can hear oh. me okay. We, lost, we, we may have lost you for a second then. I'm not sure if uh, there was a connection no. issue. Where did I lose out? Was I talking about cheese? <laughs> well, I think I think you were talking about cheese it and you would, and, and I'd laughed about the uh, gas attendant uh, part. Yes. And then, but I think we did miss a minute. So just see if I you can rewind. And just, I don't know if it's our, our, It's not your fault. It's the internet. Okay. Well, I was just remarking that you, the question was, you know, that epitomizes our approach to creating immersive experiences, the attention to detail, the, uh, the promotion, but of the, of the pre-promotion of this event. But I was saying that we, we were, we were looking at this as an earned media play, just purely PR. And what we wound up from the viralness of it and how well done and how, how well done the project was from a scenic point of view we wound up with about 2,000 people a day waiting in Disney-style lines to get into the, the wow. cheese shop. And we were still, <laughs> we sold out of merchandise every day. Wow. Telling you about our Cheez-It slides and our Cheez-It shot glass, anything you would find in a roadside stop, we made with a Cheez-It theme, postcards, and obviously we sold Cheez-Its. But it was an incredible testimony to the power of that brand, but also the viralness of the experience and how appreciative everybody was of, of this kind of one of a kind moment that we had created. And, um, you know, I was saying that it, it, it hit over a billion impressions. We had wow. over a, a, a thousands of media placements. Um, and 
you know, it just, it surpassed everybody's expectations. And it's still the one of the most talked about experiences when I bring it up at a coffee or a, a cocktail party. Everyone's like, that was you. Oh my God. You know, <laughs> I love retweet that. What's going on? You know? So um, it's fun. That's the power of an immersive experience, really. And But during these immersive experiences, it's really important that you forge emotional connections that not only give the experience, but also convert as well. Yes. Um, you've mentioned that All Terrain operates like a sort of cultural anthropologist. How yes. does this deep understanding of consumer behavior play into creating strong emotional connections? Yeah. Well, you know, with experiential marketing and, and we, you know, we're talking about some of the sexy stuff, but we're also, you know, as I mentioned, we could be sampling you wine in a grocery store, or we could be the people you meet, like I said, at, a, at a, a stadium that's showing you around a car. And so that what we do, we find ourselves in front of consumers of all kinds, almost 365 days a year. So this gives us this very unique insight into how, when, and why consumers will engage with brands. We approach our brand creation through that lens. We're considering how we would want to be marketed to. You know, consumers are incredibly smart and resourceful these days. They, they appreciate a brand moment that is authentic, that shows up in stride with them and provides value without asking too much of them. And we found this to be the best way to build long lasting relationships. Um, it also results in the consumer pursuing the brand rather than the brand chasing the consumer. And, but it, it must also be difficult to stand out because whilst you've got the in-person experience, you must be doing uh, quite a, a large digital campaign as well. So how do you make sure that the experiential campaigns stand out and resonate on a, a deeper emotional level? It's a good question. You know, fully integrated campaigns that start with the key stakeholders getting aligned around the KPIs. So co-creating the campaigns with, uh, from the area of expertise inside every organization. So, you know, one of the things I complain about a lot is that experiential is like the redheaded stepchild. You know, we get invited to the table late in the game. I'm always pushing for people and for agencies in our industry to get at the brand planning table early on. Is that is that what happens, that it's, that it's thought about afterwards? It is. It's usually, you know, there's the big signature campaign, you know, the overarching brand campaign. And then how's that campaign going to be utilized across digital, social? And then... And, and shopper, which we we are also shopper. Um, but, you know, it's like the trickle down. Of yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, a great ad campaign. You know, it's really hard to capture the attention of consumers now. We have like, what, eight seconds of, of potential concentration. <laughs> Takes seven times for them to see a brand ad for them to actually resonate. So really, you know, the experiential component is where the the stickiness happens you know it's where they really get up close and personal with the brand and it shows up in a in a relevant way but that only happens when we are allowed to get at the table early the campaign timeline should include like i keep saying this a long tail campaign ramp up so people get ready they know that you know there's a, a saying when you're about to present tell them what you're going to tell them tell them tell them what you told them and this is the same with you know any sort of campaign launch is like you get everybody really excited that something's coming you do the something and then you have to keep showing back up in a steady drumbeat of activity after the main campaign launch so that the community stays engaged and keeps supporting the brand 
Yeah, you've got to get make make the most out of it as well, especially if you've invested. So I, I guess the big key message is if you're a brand manager or a, a CMO listening right now, make sure you think about experiential right early on uh, and make sure it's part of the plan and don't just sort of leave it till the, uh, oh, should we do that? No, you should do it right at the beginning. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was wondering if you could share a success story where a uh, a casual encounter with a brand led to in, uh, enduring loyalty, uh, all thanks to the emotional strings pulled during an experience. Yeah, this one's a bit older, but it's still one of my favorites, and it really answers this question. You know, so we were very lucky to be part of the integrated agency team that opened the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, um, which was really a lifestyle brand that changed the trajectory of hospitality in Vegas uh, in 2011, 2010, 2011. Um, and, you know, we did all kinds of crazy things to open the Cosmopolitan and drive awareness and drive data. You know, uh, they, they really started from scratch. And so once the Cosmopolitan was open and we had done really incredible things, you know, everybody that was involved, I mean, the brand still is a standout. Um, as far as a game changer, but the brand was owned, the company was owned by Deutsche Bank at the time. And what was happening was you couldn't get a, you couldn't get a reservation at a restaurant. You couldn't get a room. You couldn't get into the nightclub, but when you walk through the property, nobody was gambling in the casino. And that was a problem. It was definitely a problem for Deutsche Bank. So they quickly, you know, threw a jump ball up to uh, the agency groups to come up with ideas to drive more gaming. And, um, you know, we all trained again. This is like the feeling. This is where we live, eat and breathe in front of people all day. What our insights told us was that the average person going to Vegas has two things planned. They're going to go see a show. They're going to go to this day club. Uh, but once on the ground, they'll do seven things. So there's this white space between the time they uh, you know, leave and the time they arrive in the noisiest place in the world. And where is that? That's in flight. So we've developed this really unique marketing op- approach to target high-end Vegas consumers. We, we, we wanted to gift them in flight. And at first, as you can imagine, uh, most of the airlines hung up on us because it's like the most re- restricted space and, you know, environment in the world, you know, there's no place to store gifts in an airplane. And also, you know, the employees are union, so they don't have to do anything, you know, that they're at, you know, beyond what their jobs are. So it really getting, they were the key to this being successful, but it wound up being a massive success in the fact that we were able to broker a deal with United through a media buy. And what the experience was, it was during beverage service, a flight attendant would ask a consumer who is flying on a United flight out of any of their hubs directly into Las Vegas, would you like a gift from the Cosmopolitan? Now you're stuck. <laughs> this is the coolest brand in Vegas right now. Yes, please, was the answer all the time. And it was just this little black box filled with really cool artwork, in-flight entertainment for travelers. And... Um, basically a deck of cards and each was different and they each offered a different experience of the cosmopolitan. Um, most of them were obviously gaming focused, but some of them were free drinks, two for one, you know, buffet. And what was really interesting about this is that if I'm sitting next to somebody who doesn't gamble, but they sure like to eat, um, we're trading cards because the cards were buried in each box. So um, now we're trading cards and basically making a plan to be on property at 30,000 feet 
There was also like a really cute gift, like a pack of mints or a phone wallet. So even if everybody just threw everything away, they kept some branded content. Um, we didn't ask anything of the consumer. We just gave them incentive to go to the property. And in the first six weeks, we saw 30,000 people visit the property and join up for loyalty program that tripled and tripled again every week over week and month over month. The program paid for itself in the first six months. We were seeing a redemption rate of 5%, which is very high for an out-of-home ad, which is what this was kind of called. And it was exactly what you, and, and then it endured loyalty. I mean, people just kept coming back and we were able to track that because they had to sign up for the loyalty program to redeem the offer. So anytime they showed back up at the Cosmopolitan, we were able to track, you know, what they were doing, how often they came back. And there was this big emotional attachment to the brand from this offer and this experience that just seemed really exciting and, and unique. Uh, you know, something that hadn't been done before, which was true. I, I love that campaign. That is that is brilliant. I absolutely love it. I love I love the the thought process. I love how you got to it and the idea of using that in-flight experience on the way is just brilliant. Thank you. Absolutely brilliant. I love it. I love it. What a riveting episode. Um Brooke J of All Terrain, she's unraveled the complexities of experiential marketing, the ROI. Um Brooke, your um agency website is allterrain.net. Have I got that right? That is correct. And where do you hang out online? Perhaps, you know, a brand manager from, you know, a big fortune company is thinking, I need to speak to Brooke. Where do you hang out? What's the best way to contact you? LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I'm sorry. I am an avid linker. I, 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 I know you are. You're, you, you dominate LinkedIn, John. <laughs> um, well, we'll, we'll dominate it together. I'd love that. So LinkedIn is the answer. Uh, please do reach out to Brooke if you want to uh, have a chat. But yeah, what a riveting episode. Uh, we've dived deep in, di dissected the strategies and the trends and the sort of market, ma uh, the magical uh, goings on behind impactful campaigns. Uh, you've tuned into Cracking the Code of Experiential Marketing ROI. Um, Brooke, thank you so much. This has been really brilliant. I really welcome uh the time that you spent with us and um thanks thanks so much indeed i hope this has been all right for you it's been great i really enjoyed it thank you so much Johnny. we'll speak again for now thanks for listening thanks for watching please do hit that subscribe button you've been watching johnny ross fractional cmo we shall see you soon take care